0: Welcome to The Breadwinners, the podcast about the never-ending hustle and its impact on all aspects of our lives. From our financial life, to our relationships, to our kids and our health, we're interested in what it takes to keep everything going. This podcast is about women, working, money, and family. And in every episode, we consider the research and share our takes on what we're learning every day about breadwinning. I'm Jennifer Owens. I write about working, wellness, and women and founded the Working Mother Research Institute. And on most days, I'm joined by my co-host, Raquel Ellison. On this episode of the Breadwinners, I'm joined by Cecilia Aviles, senior operations executive in charge of Sutter Health's largest ambulatory care division. She oversees a 1.4 billion dollar budget, 4,000 employees, and more than a thousand clinicians located in multiple facilities across the Bay Area. In her role at Sutter Health, Cecilia is helping lead the fight against COVID-19 in Northern California. She's deployed everything from telemedicine to drive up clinics and parking lots, all to keep healthcare safe and going. She's a former trauma nurse and a fellow wildcat, having earned her MBA from the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. That led to her transition into healthcare administration to improve healthcare delivery at all levels. All of which is to say, welcome, Cecilia.
1: Thanks, Jennifer. I'm really excited to be on the podcast with you, on the breadwinners.
0: Well, fellow breadwinner, I'm sure you're wearing purple because that's the Northwestern color all the way. Always, I'm not. I'm wearing blue, but I'm I'm close to purple, so you know. (laughs) So you know, at the breadwinners, we typically start with a stat, and um, I think we are all aware of the stats around COVID right now. But what I wanted to talk about to start is kind of what's happening from a care perspective, because I, in my world, I hear a lot about businesses that have to pivot. And yeah. but so did healthcare. And so I kind of thought we could dive right in and talk about like, what's happening in your corner of the healthcare world in this moment of transition. Yeah.
1: No, there was a large pivot, and the pivot really started with a stop, right? So in California, we were told by the governor to de escalate. So unless your healthcare need was that of an urgent or an emergent, we stopped all elective surgeries. Oh yeah, right. Right. It feels like so long ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> much much life has been led there. And in COVID for you in New York started earlier than we did. But here in January was when we had our first COVID positivity rate. So really in February and March became a de escalation. And then life kind of pivoted. So when we started to bring back patients. It was really, how do we bring back patients in a way that keeps our patients, our staff, our providers safe? How do we escalate care in a safe way and still give exceptional patient experiences? And really that led into the journey of telehealth. We knew we were gonna deploy telehealth. Right. We thought it would happen Probably two years from now. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what we learned was we could go faster. And it happened within days, within weeks, within a month. We actually got thousands of providers
0: launched on telehealth. That's right. Cause it's not just about the tech platform, it's about getting the actual service you're providing onto that. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yes, oh my gosh. It
1: is, right? And it's about getting our patients. Getting our providers, getting them in a new format, right? And what format works, right? Is it what platforms, right? Is it FaceTime? Is it Zoom? All at the same time, kids are learning at home. So. Yes, Yes, I'm aware. (laughs) (laughs) So here we are launching telehealth and learning at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. What visits are appropriate to have with our patients via telehealth? right? Right. There's times, many times where we need need to actually like, place hands on our patients, right? So which is appropriate? And how do we all get used to these new platforms? So there was the pivot to that. But also, there was a pivot of how do we launch care in a way that is safe? So outdoors at that time, like, let's create outdoor clinics. So we actually, right outside of San Francisco, created, I would say, a mass unit in a garage. So in our garage, a multi-story garage, we actually created what we call a respiratory care clinic. So where we had x-ray, we had pop-up urgent cares. So patients, wow. that was pretty cool. And I have to say, I need to give credit to my team who really let it and. Every day, when I think of agile leadership, Mm -hmm. you know, I think of our teams that created this because every day they were saying, how can we improve upon this? You know, how can we change? How can we make this easier for our patients, for ourselves? So where cars would drive in and actually drive into slots. Now, we know more about COVID now, but at that point, we were in a PPE crisis, right? So how can we conserve PPE? Right. Oh yeah. So I mean, if you think back, it's hard to believe that that all happened this year, and we're still in twenty twenty. Like this was the twenty twenty format, and we also created drive up clinics to get swabbed for COVID nineteen. So we had kind of test only lanes. We had outdoor urgent care, and again, every day it changed. You know, it was how can we bring the Wi Fi out. So that we can actually chart. How can we have enough power so we can bring our x ray machine outside?
0: Yeah, I can't imagine that your parking garage was not set up for electrical needs. <laughs> yeah, not the that machine. way. Boo <laughs> huh, to the parking lot person that created that. You didn't think we would have a pandemic and you to-
1: didn't think that we were going to use it not only for cars, but for delivery yeah. and care. Yeah, a lot of creativity. So much creativity. And again, right, always focused on the patient. Like how are we delivering care? So, right? And then we had the wildfires out in
0: California. Oh, yeah, I mean, because you know, come on. You try your overachievers and you're 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 trying to stick it to the East Coast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so again, right? How do we pivot and keep everyone safe? And so we went back indoors. So how do we deliver care that way? Learning about air exchanges. So, you know, if I look at 2020, I think of the year of agility and resilience.
0: Well, so was this part of your coursework when you were transitioning to healthcare administration? Did they have a pandemic and wildfires, you know, like advanced placement class or something? No, but that's really
1: a good idea, Jennifer. I'm thinking like there might be a course in this now.
0: I mean, you know, so tell me a little bit about your breadwinning story, your career. Yeah, that goes back.
1: That goes goes way back. All of us. It's so true. It goes back to being in first grade and it goes back. My parents are immigrants. They're immigrants from Central America, from El Salvador. And so I am first generation here. And when I was in first grade, my parents would take me out of school so I could go to the doctor's appointments with my grandparents and I could translate for them. Cause they, the could, yeah. <laughs> it, you know, it's true. They couldn't speak English. The doctors can speak Spanish. There wasn't the internet at that or iPhones, you yeah, know, Google
0: translate to hold up no, the phone or something. no yeah. Google
1: translate. Like, there was none of that and really. Really early on, right? So think about that. Six years old, I realized how it was to be able to communicate in a healthcare setting. It's a life or death. It could be life or death for people. So that is when I knew I wanted to be a nurse. Really like, so how do I bridge that? And I became a nurse. I became a trauma nurse. I worked at San Francisco general for several years and it was great, right? We were there, teamwork, saving lives. And I realized I wanted I wanted to continue to have a bigger impact. And in order to have a larger impact, because when you're a nurse, right, you're taking care of one patient at a time or two patients at a time. And I wanted to have a bigger impact. And in order to have a bigger impact, I knew that I had to go into administration. So yep. that's what led me to business school. Wow. And so that's how I went to Kellogg, was to marry that clinical background with that business sense.
0: And then you became one of those intimidating kids on the street corner that would always be crossing the light with me. <laughs> you know, you Kellogg kids always looked all like super smart, super, okay. super getting it done. And, and, uh, you know. Jennifer, they were, <laughs> I mean, they were intimidating to me too, right? Because I would sit there thinking
1: like, I don't know how to do an Excel spreadsheet. And there was, you know, no YouTube then.
0: No, you're always like sitting next to someone who's like, beep, 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 beep. it's just like this. And you're like, oh. I felt that way about calculus as an undergraduate. <laughs> There's always some guy who is like, oh, this is a shortcut. And you oh no, it's, it's not. No, it's not good. You got to learn the long way. Then yeah. you can learn the shortcut.
1: Yeah. I mean, I learned. I definitely learned. And one thing about going to Kellogg for me, it was really validating for me. Like, OK, yeah. yes, we want you. Right. You know, you, yeah. you put yourself out there you've for it. And then a school comes back and says, yes, awesome. we want to extend admissions to you. So, and particularly being a Latina, right? Mm-hmm. So when I went to Kellogg at that point, there was only 23% women. There's a higher percentage now of graduates that were women. And in my class, there was only five Latinas with me being the only one born in the United States. Everyone else was Ah. from international companies and absolutely being the only nurse. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of my course. And now I'm here at Sutter. So really had a few jobs before Sutter. Yeah. And now I'm here again. What really drives me is impact, right? So how can I leave a legacy on healthcare, right? And how can I continue to leave that legacy? And it's so amazing to be able to positively impact people's lives. And they don't even know your name. Like, how amazing is that?
0: (laughs) Oh, I agree. The amazing moment that you're in, I can imagine that it's incredibly overwhelming sometimes. And there are moments when I'm stressed and my little girl comes up, you know, like, why won't they leave me alone? But the adult in you, what an opportunity to be of service. It's just amazing.
1: It's true. I mean, it is amazing. And I want to go back to what you just said, though, about also, like, you know, during this time of covid no one's experienced this before. There was times where it absolutely was overwhelming on so yeah. many aspects, right? Because things were changing, changing multiple times in a day. Mm-hmm. You couldn't keep up with information. And we were looking at how do we deliver care to hundreds of thousands of patients right? and keeping everyone safe. So what I have learned through that or something that kind of a thread in my life, which is like adversity does not make character. It shows character. And
0: <laughs> mine is a little girl. <laughs> That's my character. <laughs> and sometimes she's super brave with like the hands on the hips and sometimes she's really just annoyed. And she does want those double stuff Oreos because it, it she deserves it dang it <laughs> and so that what you just said, right, being real, being
1: authentic, right that's what people connect to, and when you're a leader, it's that authenticity, that I integrity, agree. yep that's when when you're able to lead in that transparency, and your team leads with you all to the same purpose of being of service,
0: Well, I think it's a sense of woman has it, but I think we tend to it as a gender of a sense of power with, and it's not power over people, it's power that is inclusive. If I can show you a direction, communicate what the direction is that I think we should be going, and then I want to hear what you think about that. I'm still going to decide because I'm the boss, but we're going to work together. I just think people work better. I think autonomy is the game name of the game. Let people show you how creative they are and yes. how amazingly resilient they are.
1: Yep, yep, absolutely agree, right? You're really respecting your team, right? Yeah. You're respecting them. You're hearing them. They're closest to the work, right? Right. They, right. they know what, <laughs> what works or what's not working, right? And empowering them and saying, okay, how can we do it better? And seeing their work, that's the amazing part, right? And Yeah. It has been phenomenal to be a leader through this. And I have to tell you, like for me, my leadership bench has grown.
0: Ah, yeah.
1: I didn't know what I was capable of until we went through this. Mm -hmm. It's always a good reminder in life, right? So yes.
0: Right. You think this is it in good ways and bad ways, right? Constantly having that moment where you think, well, okay, this is what we're doing now. This is it. And then if you think back to five years ago, what it was, wow. So you're living in it right now. (laughs) Uh, I'm living it
1: (laughs) in so many ways, right? And right now we're also looking at how are we going to give the COVID vaccination? Which COVID vaccine will it be?
0: Right. What will be its mechanism of distribution? Will you have to prioritize? What will be the logistics To you, let alone your logistics of distribution. That, yeah, I can only imagine. We're
1: figuring that out right now, right? Is it going to be one that has to be freeze temperature? Right. Is it not? How many doses are we going to have to give? How many days apart? So we're looking at that. Yeah. Where that that is.
0: Follow up. I mean, that's, you see that in as a parent with remote school kids. We just went through parent teacher conferences and it was interesting, not only to talk about our own kid. But to hear uh-huh. the teachers, the limitations they have, like they, they can't force the kids to turn the cameras on. Didn't know that. Like, cause we only, we have an unreliable narrator at home. It's a teen boy, you know, like <laughs> we only know what he tells us. But then to hear the teachers, like what they're working at with, to be creative through the new situation they're, they're in, the parameters they have yeah. from the DOE, because they can't force kids, what if you don't have a camera? What if there's a sibling also, you know, there's all these considerations. And I think it's, it makes me think of this in terms of healthcare. What are the considerations you have with, with patients not being able to come back for a follow-up Yes, or not having the tech to do a telehealth or not to do all these things that you have. Yes, When you read the stories and you think, okay, vaccine, like as a non-healthcare person, vaccine, oh, I bet you it's going to be hard to get a bunch of them out. Yep. That's about as far as my thinking goes on like the mathematics of making this all happen that you guys have. Yeah, (laughs) it's true.
1: Right. And I have to say with giving the flu vaccination for the flu vaccination with my team. Right. We looked at it and it was very strategic for our point. We said, okay, where can we build outdoor flu clinics to be able to scale 500, 600% 500, 600% more than we have given in the past in preparation for the COVID vaccination because we are still socially distant. So we've had a dry run before. So kind uh. of have worked out logistically. Again, it keeps going back to the garage. Some of this we're we're doing in different garages, right? So <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's you know a testament, again, a testament to the team.
0: Yeah. And that you've already learned some lessons that you can constantly iterate and do again and figure, is this a news alert, I guess, a spoiler alert? This isn't going away tomorrow. Huh? It's not. It's not going away tomorrow. Right now, it looks like
1: vaccinations will happen in 2021. Yeah. And then, you know, how many doses will we get? How many do we need to give? You know, how long will it take to vaccinate our community?
0: Right. <gasps> Sorry. <laughs> more to come. We'll have to, yeah, more more to do
1: a, we'll have to do a follow-up and see how, how See things how evolves. it all works out.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. No yes, for sure. Ball.
1: No crystal balls here.
0: Well, talking about leadership and the like, in doing a lot of work around women's leadership, uh-huh. one of the factors that always seems to have a huge impact is role modeling and seeing uh-huh. someone like you ahead of you and going oh see she got it done or i can see vestiges of myself now hospitals huge female staffs but as it goes up the chain for leadership tend to fall away so i'm i'm wondering mm-hmm. how it is for you like in the role models you see ahead of you and then role modeling to those coming up behind you yeah
1: that is true that yeah factually is very true and healthcare more so than any other industry in mckinsey annually puts out a publication on this, has more women on the C-suite. However, it is not enough and still very low. Although 80% of employees in healthcare are women, right? Right. So then when you get to being a woman in an executive position and then being a woman of color, right, it gets even smaller. So when I'm in my clinics and I, I walk through... I see the bones of our system, right? Our, our janitors, you know, the people who prepare the food, our medical assistants. And I see my face among the many there. And you're right, being a role model. And sometimes people will stop me and say, you know, when I look at you, I think of where we can go and what we can do. And I talk to, and I talk to my daughters about you. And so it's that role model. And Jennifer, I didn't have that role model either, right? Mm-hmm. My, um, my parents didn't go to college and I knew going to college was important, but I didn't have the person to say, And this is how how you do it, right? This is how you apply to college, you know. That is huge. As someone who's
0: dealing with college applications right now, I really do think a lot about Uh the mechanics of it, that if you don't know this stuff, yeah, that's huge. It really is.
1: It's huge. And I tell many, many of the story, which is, you know, it's not that I didn't think I could get into a top school. It just, you don't know what you don't know. So it was just never in my realm of a reality not that it wasn't a possibility Mm -hmm. so it was actually a friend who when I wanted to go to business school and was talking about business school said to me hey you know you could go to a top 10 school if you
0: applied yourself
1: and that was the moment that that door opened
0: yeah (laughs) after of course if it was me what do you mean I'm totally
1: (laughs) (laughs) no how can I be that role model to others? Yeah. And I have two others, two girls here, two daughters. And how am I that role model to them? And to oh, others? you are. So
0: the, they see everything you do, <laughs> the good, the, the bad, the, good, the, the bad, ugly. Bad, ugly. Yes,
1: <laughs> all of it. And let me tell yep. you, more times it feels bad and ugly than good, particularly with you know teenagers, yep. or at least my teenager. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. They see it. They know it. And in a while, it'll take them. The minute they have kids. Because this is what happened to me and my mother who will listen to this. all yeah. respect is that's the moment where you're like, oh, now how did you do all this? Yes. <laughs> yes. What?
1: I have a whole different appreciation for my mom.
0: Oh, we when all do, children. right?
1: <laughs> when I had children. And then it was like, oh my God, don't
0: leave me. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, please. And so now what do I do? You know, now yeah. what happens? Uh, yeah, because there are certain things of working motherhood that are the same and will always be the same. And that's the stress of it all yeah. will always be the same. So.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. And one thing and the one thing to know is I am very aware that the only reason one of the only reasons I am able to be where I'm at in my career is because my parents helped me. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm a single mom. You know, my youngest was a year old. And my mom and my dad helped me with my daughters, whether getting yeah. them to school or picking them up. So I had that support system in them. So I had the, in some ways, luxury to stay on a career track.
0: Well, you know, uh, we take what we can, right? And right. make what we can out of it. And yeah. And it's also, I mean, in the larger picture of working motherhood, it's, see, it was about the childcare. In the end you know, like how can you make it work yeah. and to have the blessings of either be able to afford it, have access to it or have a family to help. Yeah. Look what you did. Yeah. Look what you did to have a lovely family and a career that is literally helping thousands upon thousands of people all because you could trust your childcare.
1: Yeah. And, it takes a village. You know, <laughs> it, it, really takes a village. it takes a village.
0: Oh my goodness. Well, Thank you so much for joining me on The Breadwinners today. This has been awesome.
1: Thank you for launching this podcast. I mean, I've had the joy to be able to listen to your episodes and, you know, what you and your team are bringing to this world. Is awesome, and and that's how we all learn, right? We learn from each other. So thank you.
0: Well, you will find everything that we talked about, links to topics that we talked about today, in the episode description, wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit us anytime at thebreadwinnerspodcast.com dot to ask a question, share your story, or offer some feedback how are you making it work? We'd love to know. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review it. It really helps us grow. Let us know what you think about the breadwinners and help us tell the stories that mean the most to you. And until next week, keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM.